God, the second 10% you put into a long-term uh, investment, and then the 80% you live off of. And in that 80%, we thought, hey, we can do this. Well, everything was going really, really well until I discovered one small problem. You see, when you rent a house, there are no such things as closing costs. But when you buy a house, they actually charge you to close the house. I'm like, I'm open to going into the house. Why do we have to close anything, you know? But I had not figured it out. And we were $1,500 short. Now, at this point in my life, money was a big god to me, and so I was panicking, freaking out. How am I going to be able to, you know, get all this together? And uh, being the spiritual stalwart that I am, I had this thought that came to my mind. We just don't have to tithe for the next six months. If we don't give to God, there's 1500 bucks there just for me. And uh, I thought this idea was so great, I wanted to let my wife in on it. And I said, Jen, I figured out a way we can pay for this. And her, being much more spiritual than I am, said, no way. God has been faithful to us too long, Chris, for us to start doing that. So then she said this, well, don't worry about it. We'll just ask my mom and dad for a loan. And being the secure male that I am, I said, absolutely not! I'm never going to ask your dad for any money. We are not going to go down that path. I'm the man. I'll figure it out. Well, guess what? I never figured it out. I prayed and prayed. There was just no way we were going to get that amount of money. And so finally, I prayed the big prayer, and I'm sure some of you have prayed this before as well. God, if you want us to have this house, you will make it happen, because I can't. And two weeks before closing date, I went out to get the mail, and when I opened up uh, the mailbox, there was a letter from a good friend of ours by the name of Rachel. And Rachel um, had lost her husband earlier that year, and... um, we had not really talked to her a whole lot since the funeral that we were at. And Joe and Rachel were amazing people. They were always very supportive and encouraging of both Jennifer and I. Uh, when she went to medical school, when, when I became a pastor, they were just always there for us. And so I uh, went ahead and I opened up the card. And as I opened it up, um, I'll never forget, this is what it read. I looked at the card this week. It said, I just received the life insurance from Joe's death. As I thought of how I would spend it, I felt a prompting, and I wanted to give you guys this gift. And the check was kind of folded in half, and I opened it up, and it was for exactly $1,500. Now, folks, the point of this story is not pray for God to help you when you're miscalculating all of your finances. And He will swoop in with some person that you haven't seen for a while with a $1,500 check. Now, He might do that like He did for me. But He might not, too. But the whole point of this story, folks, has nothing to do with the money. But it has to do with this. No one makes it in this life without the goodness of others. Nobody makes it in this life without the goodness of others. It always takes the help of another person. Or for some of us, maybe we need many another's because of the situation that we're in. You know, I am indebted to hundreds, maybe thousands of people who have gone before me, who have cared for me, who have supported me, who have encouraged me, who have even bailed me out a time or two. Because from the moment that we come into this world, we all need a hand up from those who have gone before. We need parents who patiently teach us how to walk, how to feed ourselves, how to clothe ourselves, how to make a contribution 
in this world. We need employers who not only give us a paycheck, because that's a big important thing, but who also mentor us and encourage us and help us in this thing called life, help us to grow in our job. We need spouses who when we're unlovely, they still love us. That when we uh, choose not to be very forgiving, they still forgive us. That when we totally screw up, they still forgive and love us. When we're going through bad times, they're there for us, as well as for the good. We need family members who uh, look past our failures and our flub-ups and still accept us for who we are. And we need friends who every once in a while, when we need a little bit of cash, they give it to us, or a loaner car, or to give us encouragement on a bad day. We need a church family. That's why it's so important that you realize that you were made for this church family. That we need a church family that when things are going tough, you have people around you who build you up. That's why small groups are so important. And if you're not in one, you should be. And when you celebrate mountaintop experiences, that they're right there with you. You know, I bet if you had a chance to think about it long enough, you could remember a time in your life when you were in a big hole, a huge hole, maybe financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually, a time in which you were in desperate need. And I'm just curious, who was it that came along for you? Who offered you some hope? Who gave you a loaner car? Who gave you uh, a night to sleep in your house when something wasn't going so well? Who gave you a hot meal? Who gave you an encouraging word? Who gave you a dose of hope? Who were the another's who helped kind of pull you out of the darkness and help you climb up into something that gave you hope? I have a feeling that right now some of you are having the pictures of people's faces kind of go through your brain because you remember a time in your life when no one else was there, but there was this one person, and then you think of another person. And I bet you could think of a dozen people right now that all of a sudden you think, man, if they wouldn't have come through for me, I would have never made it. Isn't it incredible the blessing it is to be helped from other people, and it isn't even a greater blessing to be able to help another person on occasion. And this kind of leads me to the big idea that I want you guys to get this morning, and it's this. The key to fulfilling God's whispers is obeying the one another's. The key to obeying God's whispers in your life To fulfill them is to obey the one another's. Throughout the New Testament alone, there are 59 one another's. And some of you right now are saying, what's he talking about? One a hua? One another's. We're going to get there. And when we obey them, we fulfill whatever it is that God calls us to do. So I thought for the rest of the time, we would just go through all 59 of them. Sound good? Okay, we're not going to do all 59, but I do have a top 10 list of one another's that I want us to go through. It'll come up on the screen, and I want us to read these together, okay? So they'll come up, and let's read them together. Here's the first one. Love, what? that means like all of us, okay? Not just me. Just in case you were struggling. Here we go. Love one another. Accept one another. Serve one another. Be patient with one another. Be devoted. It's my fault. I want you to know it is not their fault. I can't really see the screen, so I'm trying to do it. All right, let's all do this one together. Be devoted to one another. Be at peace with one another. Forgive one another. Submit to one another. Maybe we should do that one again. Here's the next one. 
This is when you know I have no control. Let's do that one again, because that's a good one to remember. Submit to one another. Some wives are like, no, no, no. Next one. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. And I'm just telling you folks, you take those ten things and you say, this week, this is what I'm going to do for the other people who are around me, and your life will be changed. When we listen to God's whispers, when we go His way, instead of insisting on our own way, we fulfill the one another's of Scripture. Some of you need to take that, cut it out, and put it up on your mirror or uh, in your car or someplace where you're constantly reminded, how am I supposed to respond to the people around me? When we put others' needs above our own, when we invest in people regardless of the return, when we live out the whisper-led life, that is what happens. And that's what we've been talking about. A life in which you're simply listening to God's whispers and obeying them. And when you do this, we, leave, we lead a life that is wide open to God. Now the question that I want to look at for the rest of our time together is this. How do we live a wide open life? How do you and how do I live a wide open life? Well, the first thing that we must do in living this kind of wide open life for God, to love the one another, to do those kind of things, is that I must listen with wide open ears. I must listen with wide open ears. God gave us how many ears? Some of you are real slow on that. How many? Two. God gave us two ears and how many mouth? One mouth. That means that we should listen twice as much as we should talk. And for those of you who are extroverted, that's hard. Now this week, as I was preparing for this teaching, and on this particular point of listening, I uh, read about this guy. See if you know who it is. Anybody know what that is? A bullfrog. You know what a bullfrog sounds like? Some of you are like, that's what my husband sounds like in the morning, right? Yeah, a bullfrog. Now, this is what I learned about the bullfrog this week. God made the bullfrog with a vibration to its brain that cancels out the croaking sound. So when the bullfrog croaks, he can't hear it. Like that. He can't hear it. The two vibrations cancel each other out. He can't hear the obnoxious noise that he's making. Because every time he croaks, his brain cancels it out from him being able to hear it. Now you're all like, dude, you got a lot of time on your hands, don't you? You We need to cut your salary a little bit, I think. Now here's the principle. It's hard to listen with an open mouth. That's it. It's hard to listen with an open mouth. There's a story in the Bible in which uh, God's people uh, are walking around and He whispers to them. And He tells them, He makes it very clear to them that He wants to do these things. He wants to administer, for them to administer justice, to show mercy and compassion to one another, to, oppress the, to not oppress the widow or the fatherless or the poor and to not have evil thoughts towards one another. The only problem is, is that God's people didn't listen. They had their mouths open like the bullfrog, and so they couldn't hear from Him. And in Zechariah, which is in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, in chapter 7, this is what God says, or this is what happened. But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and stopped up their ears. They married their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by His Spirit. 
through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. God's people were like this. They just stopped up their ears. So they couldn't hear the cry or the needs of other people. And when God heard about this, He gets ticked off. There is nothing that God gets more enraged about than we, we do not listen to the whispers that He has for people who are in need. Because when we turn a deaf ear to the crown of His creation, to other people, to people who Jesus died on a cross for, He gets ticked off about that. Folks, God cares deeply for many things. But His passion rises to the top of the chart when it deals with the poor and the orphaned and the alien and the widow and the outcast. More than anything else, God loves to defend the undergod. He loves to defend the underdog. And He asks you and I to step up and to do the same thing. If you want to align yourself with His heart, He says, then pay close attention to the things that I care about. So let me ask you this morning. What is it in your life, what is the thing in this troubled world that God is asking you to solve? What is it in this troubled world that God is asking you to solve? And I just want to encourage you, if you don't know what that is, you need to spend some time this week listening to God's voice and just asking Him, God, what is the issue in this world that you want me to help solve? And you need to ask Him moment by moment as you go through this week, is that a need I can meet? Is that a person that I can encourage? Should I get involved in that particular effort? Are those problems that I can solve? You know, the problem with many of us folks, including myself, is that rather than thinking about the needs of others, we think about our own immediate needs. We think about our problems and our injustices and our issues. And we tend to think of things like this. Well, God, if you would just fix my husband, if you would just fix my wife, if you would just fix my teenager, if you would please just fix my job, then my life would be perfect. So I can understand how it feels very awkward to some of us when we ask questions like, what justice is unfolding in this world? What injustice is unfolding in this world that you want me to be a part of? And I just want to tell you, if you want to grow, if you want to take the next step in spiritual maturity in your life, the key is to ask God, how can I meet the needs of others? That you wake up each morning and you say, how can I meet the needs of others? One of the things that reminds me to do this is I take my glasses and I slide them underneath my bed. And what I do is I can't see anything. Like right now, you all look very blurry. Now you look very scary. But when I put it underneath my bed, I can't see anything. And so I have to kind of roll out of bed, and Jennifer hears me go, boom, on my knees. And I'm reminded in that moment, it only takes me about ten seconds, but I go, God, if you put a person in my path today that you want me to meet their needs, I'll do the best that I can to do it. And I put my glasses on, and then I go on. Whatever it is that you need to do to help yourself to live that kind of lifestyle, I encourage you to develop it. Several years ago, there was a young man by the name of uh, Austin Goodwine. And he had watched this video about uh, kids in Africa who became orphaned because their parents died of AIDS. And after watching this video, he realized that those kids were no different from him. It's just that they had much more suffering. And Austin kind of sensed God's whisper. It was kind of a whisper of action. And he was only nine years old, folks, at this time. He was only nine years old. And he decided to hold his own personal free throw shooting contest. He would just sit at the free throw and 
he would uh, shoot some baskets. And um, he found out that the World AIDS Day is December 1st. For some of you, maybe that's something you want to jump into. On December 1st is World AIDS Day. And you can help in some particular way. But based on his research, what Austin found is that 2,057 children every single day are orphaned from their parents due to AIDS. In other words, just at the time that we're sitting here this morning, there'll be over 85 kids who no longer have parents uh, in areas infected with AIDS. And so what he decided to do was that he would shoot 2,057 free throws and he would try to raise some money uh, for AIDS Day. So his family and friends kind of supported his efforts, and uh, on that first time, he raised over $3,000. And uh, he gave it to an organization called World Vision, and they took care of eight orphans for the rest of their life. $3,000, eight kids who are orphaned, who are cared for for the rest of their life. And since then... Thousands of people have kind of joined Austin uh, in an organization that he calls now Hoops of Hope. And uh, there's a picture of him there. Any guesses how much money uh, Austin has helped raise from nine? He's 16 right now, so in the last seven years for AIDS in the world? $2.3 million. $2.3 million dollars because a nine-year-old decided that if I shot basketball hoops and people saw the plight of other folks in our world, that they just might change the life of a few orphan kids whose parents have died of AIDS. Folks, it wasn't anything... I mean, we, look how many basketball goals we have here this morning. It wasn't any huge thing. It was just a small little thing that he did. But now there are kids who have food and clothing and new schools and new dormitories and medical testing facilities and so much more. And it all can be traced back to a kid with nothing to do but play basketball and a dream to help children across the continent who he didn't know. Now today, Austin is 16. And I had this thought for my own life kind of challenged me this week. What were you doing when you were 16? You know what I was doing when I was 16? I was thinking of, who's that pretty girl? Oh, I love sports. I'm going to get my driver's license. Who's that pretty girl? And that was my life. And I'm sure that Austin holds some of those interests too. But because of this small little whisper, he is allowing one interest in particular to eclipse all others. And he's devoted himself on behalf of other people. And I bet there's going to be some amazing things that happens in his life. Folks, I realize that for many of us in this gym this morning, that our thoughts get consumed with the responsibilities of what it means to be an adult. We get so focused on the things that we can deal with and that we have to take care of. Things like our mortgage and paying the utility bill, putting food on the table, for college education, for a wedding for our kids, for college for our kids. We get focused on how we can love our spouse more, of being available to our kids, of being cordial to our friends. We get focused on laundry and raking leaves and fixing whatever appliance is on the blink. And I get that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But every once in a while, I don't know if you're like me, but I sit in my study and I think to myself, is this all there is to life? Just going through the mundane of every single day, or is there something more? And I just want you to know that the answer is no. That's not the only thing there is in life. God has bigger and larger dreams and challenges for your life if you will choose to take the step to to listen to His whispers. That He'll guide whatever it is into your life. Whether He prompts you 
to help orphans across the world as he did Austin, or whether he asked you to play a different role in something, I guarantee that there is a wild, kingdom-oriented kind of ministry that God is calling you to be a part of, and your life will never be fulfilled unless you finally get yourself away from your own thoughts of the task of the day-to-day, and you give yourself away for a cause that is bigger than yourself. Folks, I want to challenge you this week to get alone with God every single day for five minutes, ten minutes, and just say, I'm ready, Lord. Rock my world. If you want to tell me to do something, I'm willing to do it. If you want me to invest in someone, I'm willing to invest in them. I'll follow you whatever way you go. I dare you. I double dog dare you. And I dare myself, too, this week. The second thing that I believe we must do to live this kind of wide-open lifestyle is I must give with wide-open hands. So I listen with wide-open ears, and I give with wide-open hands. One day, uh, God was talking to His people, the people of Israel, and He was talking to them about a special day that He wanted. And in Isaiah 58, this is what His special day was about. He says, I will tell you the kind of special day I want. Free the people who have been put in prison unfairly and undo their chains. Free those to whom you are unfair and stop their hard labor. Share your food with the hungry and bring poor, homeless people into your homes. When you see someone who has no clothes, give him yours and don't refuse to help your own relatives. Here, what God is basically saying is that you have been focused so much on the rituals, like fasting, or uh, you know, giving sacrifices, or in our era, going to church each Sunday, and then we can check it off. But He says you're ignoring relationships. You're doing rituals. You're ignoring relationships. And the problem was that the people of God at that time were giving a blind eye and a deaf ear to those who were in their midst. And God was saying, I don't care about your rituals. What I really want is I want you to have relationships with the people around you. Now, there are two key verbs in that very first verse, and you can look at it. But in that very first verse, there are two verbs that are important. The first one is share, and the second one is bring. Folks, when we choose to spend ourselves on behalf of other people, we give, we share, we bring all that we have with wide open hands to God. You see, when you live that kind of life, you begin to recognize that you don't possess everything. That everything is a gift from God. But that everything is His to begin with. You don't own it. He is simply entrusting you with it. So, really, so when people finally realize that, they willingly give their possessions away if it means it's going to help someone who's in great need. Because the reality is this, folks. We have a God who is a God of abundance. A God who never runs out of resources. Whatever you need, He can supply. But this morning, the question I want to ask you is, what are you clinging to? What are you holding on to? The house that you live in, the groceries that are in your pantry next week, we have bag hunger. That's a way for you to step up right then and say, I'm going to give. But are you holding on to them? The savings account that you build up for a rainy day, the brand new jacket that you think is too nice to give to the shelter, I'll tell you a story about me. I had a jacket one time. I hadn't worn that jacket in about four years. And I looked at it and I was like, Well, that's just too nice to give to anybody, I think. Just too nice. All of a sudden, I just felt this whisper. Bunch, you haven't worn it in three years. Give it to somebody who can wear it, you know? The car that's your dream ride. The flat screen TV. 
Friends, whatever it is that you think, I just couldn't give up this, I challenge you to release it back to God. And that doesn't necessarily mean a lot of times people don't release things to God because they go, he's going to take my flat screen and give it to my broke neighbor who's over there who ain't doing squat. Now, he might ask you to give your TV to the broke neighbor who ain't doing squat, but he might just say, think about everything that you have that isn't yours, but it's mine. Because the reality is, folks, you cannot give out God. You can't outgive God. We serve a God of abundance, a God who owns it all. And the God is asking you to simply be a conduit of His goodness to the people that are around you. Folks, if you choose to do this, and Jennifer and I have just been kind of living this the last couple of years, to be quite honest. But if you choose to live with wide open hands, you'll never regret that choice. Here's the last thing that we must do to live kind of a wide-open lifestyle. And it's I must serve with a wide-open heart. I must serve with a wide-open heart. No matter how high the stakes, no matter how great the risk, when you're committed to spending yourself on behalf of other people, you'll lay everything on the line. Now, as we close this morning, what I'd like you to do is to hear the story of someone who got a whisper from God, who obeyed it, and then laid it all on the line to help start this place called The Jar. If you would, uh, please uh, give a hand to Abby Guthrie, uh, who's coming up. Well, welcome, Abby. Hi. Abby was one of the five people who, before we ever even met in my house, uh, had committed to be a part uh, of the jar. And you're still short, Abby. You still... That hasn't changed. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) So that stool is a little high, I know, but do your best. (laughs) Well, um... Abby, a lot of people know your story, but a lot of people don't. Um, it's a cool story, and it's one that I wanted to, to have them here today because it really is a story of a person who uh, serves and listens and um, gives with a wide-open heart. And Abby, uh, about nine years ago, uh, you were up in northern Indiana. You were a pharmacist. Uh, life was thriving uh, you were a part of a good church. You had a uh, you know, great support system of family and friends. Uh, you were financially free, uh, thinking about buying a house. And, uh, you know, was, your life was very, very comfortable. Yeah. And, uh, and then you came here. Uh, but you listened to a whisper from God. And when you listened to that whisper, um, your life changed. And so could you tell us a little bit? Uh, about that whisper? Well, well sure. It really um, it was kind of a series of whispers in, in some respects. It started on a Sunday evening while I was um, helping with the senior high youth at the church I was attending. And uh, we'd been studying the, the scripture, Matthew 6:33, which states, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. And at the time, I was living in an upstairs apartment, and I can really relate as you were talking about buying a house, uh, that I, this was a, a point in my life where I was really kind of desperately trying to find a, a home to buy and just not really finding anything that seemed right, and almost to the point of being obsessed about it, you know. And um, that night when we were talking about that Bible verse, as I was driving back home, um, I really kind of got real with God, and I just said to him, you know, God, I've, I've not been seeking your kingdom first. I've really been seeking my own wants and desires, and... Um, so I kind of asked for his forgiveness and just told him I really did want to seek out his, his kingdom above all else and just um, surrendered my life to him the best I knew how at that point. Um, I was also serving on the leadership team of the church that I was attending at the time. And the next night, on Monday night, we had a, a leadership team meeting. And we were having a visit from um, this young pastor named Chris Bunch. Have you ever heard of him? <laughs> he was young. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was really, he's still young, by the way. <laughs> 
Anyway, um, he came to uh, share with us about a vision he had for planning a new kind of church, one that was outward focused. And uh, he had felt that God wanted him to partner with another church and uh, had felt also that the church I was attending at the time was that particular church. And he really came to us kind of um, seeking three different kind of key things, prayer support, some financial support, like some seed money to kind of help plant the church, and then perhaps some laborers to uh, be involved in the church plant, individuals that would be willing to uh, physically move and uh, participate in the church plant. Um, and so... Uh, you, you know, kind of shared some of that vision and, and, and dream about it or whatever. And I, as you were talking, just kind of had a stirring in my heart. And you, as you were talking, you also um, shared some specifics about another church plant that had taken place out in Pennsylvania. And you'd uh, been in communication with the pastor out there. And um, you shared details of the name of the pastor and the church and the city and those kinds of things. And um, so, uh, you know, I just kind of, you know, listened to all those things. Um, Again, I had that stirring in my heart, and I was off of work the next day, and so I made an appointment to talk to my pastor and kind of went into him, and we were talking some. And one of the things I I talked about trying to to find a home to buy, I was living in Wabash at the time but working in Marion and really, again, hadn't found anything in Wabash but had begun looking in Marion a little bit. And so um, had actually found something I was kind of interested in. Uh, And so the whole idea of relocating was like, okay, could I um, continue to maybe live in Marion and help with this church plan in Muncie, or what's it mean to relocate? Am I going to need to actually move to Muncie? And So I just had a lot of questions that way. Um, And I remember as I ended my time talking with the pastor, um, he really just kind of prayed for me and asked that God would confirm for me um, that call if I was supposed to be a part of the church plant. So the next day, this is all this like one day apart. The next day I go into work. So the very next day, so you kind of get this sense that, uh, hey, this is where I'm supposed to go. And then the next day you get some confirmation. I I go into work the next day. And, again, I was employed as a pharmacist in Marion. um, And our pharmacy was located in a doctor's office. So we have a lot of uh, drug reps that would come in. And, you know, they come in all the time and so you eventually kind of develop some relationships with them and there was one in particular who uh, I knew was a Christian and so we occasionally would uh, if I had time kind of chat a little bit and this particular day she came in and it was slow enough that we did have time to talk and I still don't remember how we got involved in the conversation but um, at some point she shared that she had been involved in a church plant in Pennsylvania um, and I began asking her some questions, and it was the exact church plant that you had talked about that evening. And so I really felt like if, uh, unless God had hit me over the head with a two-by-four, that there couldn't have been a more obvious confirmation for me. Okay. So uh, that's cool. And uh, so you moved here to Muncie, and once you obeyed that whisper, I'm sure everything in your life, just became perfect, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> um, you know, like you said, I really had had a pretty good support system uh, back home and um, had some close friends. I really missed uh, those friends. Um, even though I knew you and Jen, uh, had be- begun to know you and Jen. It's not like I'd known you for a long time. And um, the Goebbels as well were the other family that helped plant the church. And, uh, but outside of those two families, I really didn't know anybody in Muncie at all. Uh, and I'm a pretty quiet, shy person in social settings, and so uh, just making new friends was difficult. Um, in addition, starting the church took a lot of time and energy, and um, there were times when I felt like I really couldn't afford the time to go back home and visit family, uh, so that was hard at times. Um, the job that I left in Marion was a job that I really loved and uh, really enjoyed the people that I worked with there, and there's always transition when you change jobs that way, and um, Then another part of that, uh, even kind of once I moved through that that transition at work about a year later, um, another huge transition took place there as uh, some changes were made, and pretty much all the staff in that building, except for those in our pharmacy department, um, over the course of the following year, uh, moved. And so I really just kind of had this kind of big systemic grieving period there. So it was tough, but, you know, God really, even in spite of those times, he really was faithful in the midst of it all. So you leave from northern Indiana, you hear this whisper from God, you come here, you move. It's not great, but God's been faithful in the midst of all of that. And then I asked the five of us that we would give 15% of our income for however long the church would last. And so uh, Abby did that, and then I would ask Abby, hey, Abby, could you open up your home? And Abby has literally probably opened her home to hundreds of people I know. 
but dozens of small groups, all kinds of different things that she's been a part of. She was a part of the setup team when we had no one on the setup team. And if you want to be on the setup team, you should be um, because we need people for that. Uh, Abby used to do this all by herself, uh, setting up uh, many times. Uh, and uh, she was part of the hospitality team when we first started it, the pastoral care team. You know, in fact, I was thinking about this week that there is nothing that you probably haven't done except teach. And uh, there were a few times early on in our homes, especially when I would teach. I'm sure you would have done a better job. For sure. <laughs> no, no, Chris, I, I never ever thought that or would ever think that your teaching is really that's a gift of yours. And um, I would never think about that. But but there have been times, I have to admit, when I have just shook my head and thought, I can't believe he just said that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone. Believe me. You're not alone. Well, would you just share real quickly what. Um, are you currently kind of doing to allow yourself to serve with a wide open heart? Well, again, um, it really has been an amazing journey to be a part of the JAR. Um, currently, I'm, I'm helping with the hospitality team, um, the prayer team, and the pastoral care team. Um, and about two years into my journey with the JAR, I really felt God called me into a um, specific ministry of pastoral care and uh, where I could kind of reach out to people who were hurting um, and so for the last six years, I've uh, been going to school part-time as I've worked part-time trying to train for that ministry. And um, currently I'm doing an internship as a, a chaplain uh, in Kokomo. And, uh, you know, really little did I know that in the midst of all that, that God was going to heal a lot of my own hurts uh, as well. And um, kind of as a result of that, I've really become passionate about helping people find God's healing through Celebrate Recovery. Um, and if we're all honest, uh, if we're kind of willing to take our masks off, uh, for just a moment and be real with ourselves and with each other. We all have areas in our lives that are kind of broken where we need God's healing touch. And so it's really just been a joy and a privilege to be a part of Celebrate Recovery and to, to watch God do that healing and wholeness, bring healing and wholeness to people's lives as they um, listen to his whispers of grace and love. Uh, well, um, Abby, just kind of a, a last challenge. you got about 200 or so people here today, um, or final word on, on how people can be wide open to doing good uh, in whatever God calls them to do. Sure. Well, you know, as I think about my own journey in um, these last nine years of being a part of the JAR, um, they really have been pretty amazing. There's been some difficult years in the midst of it, really probably some of um, the most difficult in my life. Um, but they've also been full of um, God's most amazing grace as well, and I wouldn't trade any of them for anything. And so really, I, I think the biggest challenge for me and for everyone else um, is just to continue to take the time to be still before the Lord and to, to really listen to his whispers. And, and again, listening involves so much more than just hearing him. Um, it really means following him and obeying him. And uh, again, I think I heard you use the word guarantee. I, I really, um, if people will, will take that challenge and do that, I can guarantee that they won't be sorry because it really has been a, a remarkable ride. Yeah. Hey, let's give Abby a hand. <laughs> well, that's Abby's story. And I wanted to close today by really asking you guys, what's your story? If you would, I'd like to just pull up those three keys, uh, key points. Um, listen with wide open ear. Give with wide open hands. Serve with a wide open heart. And when you think of those three words right there, listen, give, and serve, I just want to know, just between you and God, you'll have a chance to pray here in a second, but which of those things is God asking you to work on this week? That you would be challenged. In, in which way? Man, I need to listen to God more. That's the most important thing. I can't give or serve until I do that. So that's why I need to work on. And I'm so tight with all of my possessions. I need to learn to open my hands and give a little bit more. Or maybe it's serve. Maybe it's like, man, I, I sit here every single Sunday, but I'm not really serving. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to ask God to come and, 
He's always already been present with all of us, but I'm going to ask him to come and be present with the person who's sitting in your seat right now and to ask him to reveal which of those three words he wants you to work on this week. Do I need to listen more? I pray that he'd just speak in your ears. Listen. If you need to give more, that he'd say give. If you need to serve some, that he'd say serve. And I really believe that we'll look back on this Sunday right here, folks, where you're sitting, and we'll look back, and there will be ways in which God is going to speak to you right now that we'll look back years from now, and we'll look to this date, and we'll go, man, that's the date I decided I'm all in because of his goodness to me. So let's stand for closing prayer, and then the band's going to close us uh, with a song. God, we've done four weeks of the power of a whisper, of trying to listen to uh, your things. The things that you want us to do. And God, we come to this final week We want to take a next step. God, thank you for the whispers that encourage us. But thank you for the whispers that challenge us too. God, I ask you right now through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come into this place. We want you to meet with us, God. We want to... Have you shared which area you desire us to seek you in? Whether you want us to listen with a wide open ear, give with wide open hands, or to serve with a wide open heart, we're ready to hear from you. And whichever word you give to us this week, God, we will go where you want us to go, we will do what you want us to do so that your name would be made great and our lives would be filled. We pray in Jesus' name.
know that you're loved in this place. Have a great week. There'll be the prayer team up here uh, to pray with you if you need any prayer. Uh, meet and greet in the conference room if you would like to go meet with some other people. And if you want to help tear down, you'd be my new best friend. So thank you.